Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Francis Sadeco. And today we're looking at the recent acquisitions in the semiconductor industry and what they mean for the future. Are we in another acquisition wave? If you recall, there was a huge wave of acquisitions uh, around obtaining IP for IoT applications or Internet of Things that kicked off with the acquisition of Freescale by NXP that was, I believe that was 2005. And that one acquisition formed an IoT powerhouse, one that had the largest number of microcontroller and application processor SKUs, and leading positions in several semiconductor markets, including security and automotive. Well, guess what? Despite COVID, last week we saw three acquisitions by two companies. Analog Devices, or ADI, announced its intent to acquire Maximum Technologies, and ST Microelectronics announced its intent to acquire two wireless companies, B-Spoon and Riot Micro, which we'll talk about later. Francis, before we dive into the acquisitions, and I know that you looked at some of these in detail, do you think we're in a new wave of acquisitions? If so, what do you think is driving it? Is this market growth or lack thereof, competition? What is it? I, I think we are, Jim, actually, and it, it could actually be a combination of two things. One is we're at an inflection point here where 5G and IoT are really starting to take off. So I think from a megatrend standpoint, that's really driving a lot of demand for things like communications, connectivity capability, but also sensing capability. So that's those are the segments I think that we're going to see. But the other bit is... Believe it or not, with some of the softness and maybe uncertainty that COVID has brought up, if you have the money right now, now's actually a good time potentially to get some discounts on, on some good deals as you acquire more core competencies to help with those trends. Good point. Matter of fact, it's kind of ironic that we're talking about market inflection points for IoT, you know, considering we've been in this IoT era for a while. But we didn't have that complete wireless connectivity that 5G is finally bringing us with CAD-M and narrowband IoT and stuff like that. So it is kind of interesting that, you know, all these things are kind of coming together all of a sudden. Jim, absolutely, that's correct. But also even with, with how ubiquitous LTE, LTE Advanced is now, that's already forming a good foundation for the type of connectivity that we need. And then 5G is going to just kick that into higher gear. Well, and we also, that first wave of acquisitions that was kicked off by that whole Freescale MXP thing, you know, we saw a lot of acquisitions around different I.O. technologies, some wireless technologies like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and BLE, Bluetooth Low Energy. We also saw it around microcontrollers and all kinds of stuff. But we didn't really see it around analog or RF technologies, and we didn't see it around sensors. Although we have seen some acquisitions around sensors, you know, on Semiconductor has been a key acquirer of sensor technologies lately, over the last couple of years. We haven't really seen kind of that consolidation in those two areas. So it'll be interesting to see if, especially with 5G and now with, you know, IoT really kind of hitting its stride, if those two really drive consolidation. Yeah, I agree completely. I think this is the next phase here. One of the things, though, that we can't overlook is the fact that the U.S. and China are not getting along. And all of these acquisitions in the tech industry have to face global regulatory approval. 
matter of fact, we saw before when Qualcomm tried to acquire NXP, which would have been a mega merger, China basically sat on it for over a year to where Qualcomm finally just called the whole thing off. Despite that, we saw companies like Xilinx go over and acquire Chinese companies successfully. I think they acquired two of them. You know, what do you think? I mean, do do we actually have any hope and a prayer of getting these things through? Yeah, it, that, that's interesting that you brought the Qualcomm NXP thing because on paper, and obviously we're not privy to any of the internal conversations or anything like that, but when looking at it from from a third-party standpoint, there really shouldn't have been anything there that the Chinese would have been um, too concerned about. And it's similar here with the ADI Maxim deal. If it was any other time in history, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue in terms of regulatory approvals. But with the current environment that we're in right now, and as things continue to really go kind of on a day-to-day roller coaster. Sometimes it's looking good. Sometimes it's looking bad. Even before COVID, we were seeing the stock market just kind of jump back and forth, depending on what the latest news was on the on the trade conversations. It's really uncertain right now. I, I do think it's still going to happen, but I think it might take longer than the one year that the ADI Maxim announcement had put out as an expectation. Yeah, and that's that's a concern. Obviously, are the investors, are the companies, are the, is the market willing to wait more than 12 months just to get these acquisitions approved? Well, one thing we saw with the Qualcomm NXP deal, there is a shelf life to this, Jim. If it gets any longer, especially in this industry, anything more than one to two years and and it's a that's a lifetime in terms of this kind of industry. So if it lasts any longer than that, that could bode not well for the acquisition. Well, and you also mentioned COVID-19. That's also a good point. I mean, so far, despite the economic woes, the tech industry has been just going gangbusters because of COVID-19 with everyone, you know, gearing up, you know, to work remotely and work at home and everything else. Not to mention they're not spending money anywhere else. Might as well spend it on your house and yourself and your tech. But that may not last. I mean, if all of a sudden the market drops, that'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, a lot of these companies are are predicted to kind of even have a surge or bounce back or even have a surge going into 2020, the end of 2020 and late 2021. But it's not clear if that's going to happen. So I'm I'm kind of on the side, the conservative side saying, you know, you guys better be wary because if COVID-19 is a pull-in of some of that demand, that means we're going to pay the piper sooner or later. Well, I think there's two aspects to this. What you've mentioned is potentially more the consumer-facing side of things, Jim. But I think on the IoT or the industrial IoT side, with the call for more remote or, or maybe contactless interactions just in general, I think that's actually driving some demand there. Now, obviously, if the macroeconomics and the financial markets take a hit, there's going to be an impact there. But again, if your particular company is in actually a pretty good cash position, that might be an opportunity for you to pick up some good core competencies to set yourself up for when we do get ultimately out of this. Well, you took a detailed look at the ADI Maxim deal. I mean, what do you think? Is this good? Is this bad? Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely for the Maxim shareholders, they're going to see a 22, a little bit over 22% gain 
on their share price based on their stock prices at the time of the announcement. So that's a good thing for them. In terms of capability standpoint, they're merging on the power management side, general purpose and application specific. So that's going to give them a good broad capability and also basically a best tool for the job approach that they're going to be able to bring to bear. But but also their markets that they're targeting are actually extremely complementary to each other. It's a lot of what we've discussed today already, industrial, communications, healthcare, general industrial IoT market, so automotive. So these are all kind of these areas that even with COVID-19 and potentially with with any kind of sort of slowdown on the consumer side, these areas are still going to need the, the types of solutions that this acquisition is trying to bring together. So I think it's definitely a good opportunity for the companies themselves, but potentially for the industry. Well, it's interesting because these two companies are kind of both in the, uh, the areas we mentioned before, analog, more specifically RF, and in some sensor technologies. So they, they kind of straddle that line of those markets that we were talking about. Exactly. One, one, one interesting thing, though, Jim, just to note, is the TAM that they cited on this transaction is actually less than the enterprise value of the combined company. So we're going to have to really keep an eye to see if that might form a foundational headwind that they might not be able to grow as fast as they, they want to. But you will have to take a look at that. That in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we do need to keep an eye on that. Yeah, it's a bit of a red flag. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I mean, $60 billion TAM and the, the combined company is scheduled to be about $68 billion, So, And, you know, we all know the enterprise value is going to be dependent on, you know, the revenue opportunities that are available. Well, and also announced last week, ST Micro said it's buying two wireless companies. One is B-Spoon, which is big in ultra-wideband technology, and the other one is Riot Micro, which is developing technology around some of the cellular stuff like uh, the CAD-M and the narrowband IoT. You know, I think that's actually a great thing for ST Micro because you have to have three things in this market. You have to have the brains, which is the logic, the microcontrollers, the application processors. You have to have the the connectivity that goes along with it. And uh, more importantly, going forward, you're going to have to have some form of AI that goes along with it to, to create intelligence out of all that data that you create. Well, I think the sensing, too, it's really... It's really important for them to have this the sensing to be able to take a look at the world around them and then bring it into all that processing and communications as well. And that you know, and the sensing has been very fragmented. That's why I think that's a key area for consolidation. However, still wondering, you know, if I had looked at ST and said, you know, I think you should have done this a couple of years ago, which I think they should have. I would also like to see them, because they really highlighted this as being something to promote their STM32 microcontroller product line, which is a, is a pretty big family of products. I'd still like to see them kind of extending up the stack a little bit more into application processors, which they did kind of in conjunction with some other partners before, but they've really kind of fallen back into that more industrial and embedded type controller. I'd like to see them go after kind of a broader market because I think a lot of these applications are eventually going to take more than a microcontroller because they're going to have some form of AI operating on them. 
Yeah, absolutely. You're going to need that horsepower in in these industrial IoT applications for specifically AI. And actually, one interesting company, Jim, that is specializing in a lot of that kind of capability that might be, you know, we obviously, again, we, we don't know anything specific or we haven't heard anything, but a company called Amberella out of the U.S. actually does a lot of that kind of AI and uh, low power graphics capabilities that, that could help out along those lines. Well, and also a company that kind of in that realm was, that was acquired by Vache was Avante. And uh, they're used extensively by NXP slash Freescale. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we didn't mention it before, but having that AI capability is going to be critical, whether you develop it in-house. And let, let's face it, any type of logic, whether it's a GPU, a CPU, anything can run AI or can do AI. But how that AI capability, especially not just the hardware, but the software, is going to be a critical component of those next-generation solutions. So... It'll be interesting to see if we also see acquisitions around more acquisitions around hardware AI. So far, the only company that's really been focused on acquiring hardware companies in AI has been Intel. And, and that's that's definitely going to be an interesting area uh, because there are so many smaller startups that that are trying to play in that space. And and there is a little bit of kind of weeding out that you're going to need to do if you're looking to acquire in that space, just because anybody that can kind of tilt their head and squint and kind of look like AI has been pushing that, right? So there's it's there's really going to be a fair amount of due diligence that you need to do in order to make sure you get the right kind of capability. But that area is definitely ripe for potential acquisition or consolidation. Okay, let's 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 go a little bit deeper. Pick you already mentioned Umbrella, but are there any other either segments, applications, or specific companies that you think are probably right for either being acquired or being, you know, kind of the uh, consolidator going forward? Sure. Yeah, I think we mentioned the right the right segments here. Uh, we talked about. IoT, we talk about analog and RF, we talked about sensing, and definitely AI capabilities. I do think Umbrella might be a good, a good one to potentially get acquired, but also another one that's going to potentially be active in this space is OnSemi. They're at that size where they could be an acquiree or an acquirer, depending on the deal. But it's not just a size thing, it's a capability thing. It, if they have the ability or the appetite to do something along these lines, they could be one of the beneficiaries of a little bit of a softness in the market and potentially be able to pick some core competencies up at maybe at a discount rate. So those would be two that I would definitely look at. Yeah, I would agree with you, especially on the on semiconductor. And not just because they've acquired a lot, but also because they've acquired a lot of capacity in terms of manufacturing capacity. The other company that kind of fits that bill, and they were on an acquisition terror in analog a couple years ago, is TI. So they've been rather quiet. So I think TI and On Semiconductor are kind of in that same boat with the combination of capacity and, you know, a lot of either developing or having a lot of depth in specific areas like sensors and analog technology. So I, those are two key ones, I think, to watch. I think also we'll... Watching RF is going to be interesting. As Qualcomm keeps ramping up its complete RF solution, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the other players like Broadcom, Corvo, Skyworks. 
You know, are we going to see some acquisitions there, some mergers? I think it's a potential, especially because Qualcomm's had a lot of success with the first couple waves of 5G phones. If you wanted to do a first wave phone, uh, unless you were Huawei, you pretty much had to use a Qualcomm RF solution. So it's going to be interesting. I I think that we're going to see some activity on RF. And obviously, ADI and Maxim already hits that deal. But I think we're going to see more from those top players, too. No, I agree with you. That was a really good point on TI, Jim. After the refocusing that they did on high-performance analog a few years ago, they really haven't been all that active, but they've been very successful in that refocus, in that refocusing. So I think they could definitely be a good one. And the, the interesting thing that you mentioned, too, is potentially you know Qualcomm with some of those RF players. I'm not sure about Broadcom. Broadcom typically... Their acquisition strategy is usually something where they can bring them in and be completely revenue and profit accretive from day one. Uh, They're they're not ones to really bring in acquisitions in order to develop innovation and develop that market and then try to grow it themselves. They typically try to bring in an acquisition that's going to immediately give them a jump uh, and then move on to the next one. So they're a little bit of a different profile acquirer. Also interesting, the dynamics. This ADI Maxim deal brings them closer to market leader in analog, which is TI. So is that kind of a little nudge on TI of saying, hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Potentially. This might potentially wake a sleeping giant, so to speak. (laughs) It might. It might. Well, in any case, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I think, you know, despite COVID, despite the U.S.-China tensions, despite everything that's going on, we technology doesn't stop. And I, I think we're going to see ac- more acquisitions around these areas. I agree. Okay. Well, with that, I think it brings us to a wrap of another Tyrius cast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem, worldwide, by the way, from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and even marketing strategies. And if you would like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at kevin at tyriusresearch.com. Jim at TeriusResearch.com or Francis at TeriusResearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S Research.com. You can also visit our website at www.TeriusResearch.com. Please keep up with us on social media at TeriusResearch or at Crewell for Kevin Crewell at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K Strategist for Jim McGregor and at F Sedeco for Francis Sedeco and through our articles and podcasts in Forbes, EE Times, EC2 News, and soon we're going to be also at with Microelectronics in Taiwan, which will be in Mandarin Chinese. We also have white papers posted on our website. Also on our website is a link to our newsletter, which you can subscribe to. The newsletter comes out usually monthly and covers topics we covered in articles. Also note that our series casts are now available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this series cast or recommendations for future series cast, please contact us directly. Once again, that's Kevin at Tyrius Research, Jim at Tyrius Research, or Francis at TyriusResearch.com. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>